Good night, family. The name of my podcast is entitled I'm My Sister's Keeper, and this is episode two. My name is Carla, and the purpose of this podcast is to create a safe space for women to discuss what's on their mind while keeping shit real, raw, and uncut. It's due time we address um, the everyday issues that affect um, our lives and stop sugarcoating things to make other people feel better. This evening, I'm so excited to have my sister girlfriend from the D, that's Detroit, uh, with me this evening. I have Dr. Yolanda Bennett. Dr. Bennett is more than just a preface. Um, she has a doctorate in education leadership. She also has 20 plus years in higher education, both in teaching and administration. She's a wife well over 30 years, a mom of two fantastic college graduates, and um, she can definitely cook out of this world. Yolanda and I will be discussing the importance of ensuring your children are receiving the support they need to be successful in a traditional university. Dr. Bennett, would you like to expand on that? Absolutely. Thank you for having me on your show. Um, I think this is a great platform that you are presenting for uh, women empowerment. And uh, I'm just honored to be here. So I thank you for that. I'm happy to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Um, one of the things, and I want to just go back to what you said, we had talked about this a little bit in terms of um, our children going to different colleges and different universities. And one of the things that I brought up with you is that I thought that it would be really interesting if we talked about how the difference between our children going to a historically uh, black college and HBCU versus going to a traditional college and or university and one of the things that i i always point out is that i love the hbcus i think they what they do they get it they get it they nurture our students they nurture our, our kids and what i don't see and i work at a traditional college what i don't see is the same type of support at a traditional college that you would get at an HBCU. And I'm not trying to plug the HBCUs, even though I love them. So do I. I. Yes, I I think they do a fantastic job. To me, it's a sense of family. I don't mean to cut you off. To me, it's a sense of family when you attend a HBCU university. Um, It's a heightened sense of family. It's a heightened sense of um, definitely I'm my sister's keeper. I'm my brother's keeper. And um, everyone pitches together to ensure that the students that attend those universities get the support they need Mm -hmm. so that they can be successful. Um, Right. Yeah, I too. I I think that the HBCU, they do a fantastic job with their students. I agree 100%. Absolutely. But here's the reality of the situation, though. Not every child and not every student wants to be an HBCU grad for whatever reason. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I came through the traditional college uh, and university setting, as I'm sure you did. Yes, so did I. Yes, I did. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I have great benefits and, and things were things have worked out well for me. 
Well, one of the things that I want to point out is the difference. And uh, my children did not go to an HBCU at their choice, even though I wanted them to go, but it was their choice. My son wanted to be Big 12, and my daughter didn't care whether it was Big 10 or Big 12. She just wanted an environment that was going to suit her needs, and she is in education, so she wanted to go to one of the top education universities, and that's what she did. So there's nothing wrong with that. Well, one of the things, even looking at both of my children, the thing that really stands out for me as an educator is how how our students, and I'm speaking specifically for our African-American students, how they are treated in a traditional setting. Not that they're treated badly or anything like that, but I'm talking about the support system that is out there. We do not have that. We do not have the same type of support system in a traditional college for our African-American students. And that's why a lot of our students, specifically our males, and that's another topic we can talk yeah, about that's later a, on. Yeah, that's another topic. Yep. Right, that's another topic and a paper is going to be written one of these days. But that's something... <laughs> That is something that, you know, we need to look at because a lot of our kids are not making it through the traditional college. But I have a question for you, though. I got a question. What do you feel, and I know you have tons of information on this because this is your specialty, but as a parent sending their child to a, a traditional university, how involved should they be? Um, with ensuring their their child get gets what they need while attending that university, who do they speak to? Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Because I I don't know. I really don't. Yeah. yeah, that's an excellent question. That's that's an excellent question. One of the things that I think that they need to look at, and don't be afraid to do that. Yes, your child is eighteen years old, but you're still the parent. And when you go in for, and I highly, highly recommend college visits and parent visit. It is important to do that with your child when you're when your child is starting college. But also when you go, don't just sit there and look at all of the bells and whistles that they have to offer for the college or the university as a whole. But look for things that are specific to what your child needs. So one of the things that I can say for African-American children or children of color, black and brown, go and talk to the multicultural department. Mm, Find out what kind of programs are offered and what do they do for incoming students, African-American students or or students of color. What is it that they're, they're, they're doing for those students? Is there something that is going to help them get through that process? And one of the examples that I like to give, and I can only speak from experience, my son went to a Big 12 university. Um, and that's something that he wanted to do. We were in support of him doing that. But one of the things that I liked about his university is that when we got there, the multicultural department was there and they had their own presentation and talked about students coming in and how they were there for those students, for those multicultural students and the different types of programs that they have for them. So my son was able to get involved in a program before his freshman year, the summer before he started college, and it was was called APEX. And he was able to get acclimated to the college 
um, learn about proper study skills while he was in college. Mm-hmm. And, and at the end of that, he then got all of the resources in terms of scholarships and internships and things that he could do. He became uh, a McNair scholar and I'd never heard of that before. I'm, you know, neither had I. I know, yeah, neither I, had I. I. Right. I know who Ronald McNair is. Right. But I didn't know Ronald McNair had a scholarship. And so those are in that with that scholarship, which I I'll plug that scholarship for certain. Um, it it afforded him to be able to get his master's and his doctorate for free. And so those are things that we don't know anything we don't know anything about. And I just find that when you go to a college or university, you want to make sure that your kids, your student, your child can get those same types of resources. So essentially, the multicultural committee, um, I guess they are peers to the new students that are that have enrolled into the university to uh kind of walk them through um, yeah. how to overcome, you know, being a freshman, I guess. Right. right. I will say, I'm not going to speak for all because I don't know what all is done. Right. I know at the college right. that I work for, right. they absolutely, we do mentorship at our college. Okay. I know at the college that my uh, son went to, I know at the college, the university that my daughter went to, they did that. And I think that I'm just going to put it out there on the whole. I would say that the majority of the college and universities have it, but we don't seek it out. And if mm-hmm. we keep it real, like we said, keep it real, keep it real. We don't seek those things out. We send our children to these college and universities and hope for the best. Mm-hmm. And that's not what you need to do, because I'm going to tell you, as a lifelong educator, I've seen way too many children, way too many students come through and are lost. They're lost, and they're lost because the schools are too big, and they don't have anybody that's going to hold their hand. And if we could take it one step further, if your child is coming from a situation where, you know, they're the only ones that have gone to college, oh, it's a whole different story. And that's why those, those types of clubs and organizations are something that you want to seek out for your child. I think that's well said. Um, I really think, you know, um, you made a valid point because leaving high school and going to a university mixed with a variety of different people, um, being in an environment that you absolutely, it's brand new to you. That's, that's a lot. That, that's a lot because it's a ton of freedom. You have a ton of freedom. You have a ton of freedom. If you want to go to class, you can go to class. If you want to go to the party, you can go to the party. And I think that when you have someone that um, you can kind of lean on for additional support, the outcome is better. Right. Much better. And, and, let, and let me let me jump in on that, because one of the things and I like to make the distinction. Now, my husband and I. We're both college educated. Our children, you know, we told them, okay, you're going to do this, you're going to do this, this, based on our experiences. And I'm sure a lot of other parents that do that, that are college educated, but I always want to focus on the kids who don't have that. Mm-hmm. What? How are they going to make it through? How are we going to ensure that they get everything that they need? And one of the things that I do as an educator, I tell them point blank, how many clubs do you belong to? 
where, where, what are you doing when you, uh, when you leave this campus? Are you going to work? Are you going home to get on, you know, the computer? Are you on your phone? Yeah. What are you doing? Because see, don't take the next two to four years of your life and it's just all for nothing. You leave college and you're trying to hope you find a job. Yeah. That's not what you need to do. We need to talk about building some skills and some employable skills while you're here on in this college. And I tell my students, now is the time to make the mistakes. You make all the mistakes in my class yeah. so that once you leave, you'll have a better sense of what it is that you need to do so that you don't make those same mistakes when you get out in the workforce. And I'm going to tell you, I talk to my students just as if I was talking to my own children. Mm -hmm. They hear the same, they hear the same speech that my children heard as well, because it's important to give them that foundation that they need in college, because I don't want someone leaving and saying, now what? Well, if they don't, if there's no foundation, if there's no foundation, that's exactly what's going to happen. Because if you think that people in the outside world give a damn about you, you are sadly mistaken. And if you don't have a game plan on how you're going to have a better tomorrow. Hmm. Right. You're just graduating with a degree right. and you don't know what else to do. Right. You know, one of the things like we have our mock interviews, I sit in on mock interviews and they, every time the students see me, they're like, oh my God, here go Dr. Ben. Oh my God. We already know what this interview is going to be like because I sit down and we have a real conversation as if though we're in an interview and I don't sugarcoat them. I don't sugarcoat it at all. They know what day mock interviews are in the semester. And when I walk down the hall, I need to see you dressed. Yeah. I need to see you ready for an Absolutely, interview. that's correct. Because when you come sit in front of me, we're going to have the interview, and then I critique you in the end. There has to be a level of uh, expectation. There has Absolutely. to be a level of expectation. Absolutely. Absolutely. And see, that's why I say that's what the HBCUs do. Yeah. That's what they do. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, those kids are not leaving. They're not leaving that college, not being able to represent that university that they came from. Yeah. And so that's why I think it's so important in the traditional sense, or the traditional education, that we as educators play that role. I just, I just, just feel that it's necessary for us to do it. Okay, so you didn't go to an HBCU. Okay, that's fine. But guess what? You're here. And this is what you're going to do here. Right. Right. Do you suggest that, I mean, obviously your parents are with you on day one when you move into a dormitory. If you move into a dorm dormitory, right. you might attend a university that's not far from home. So, you know, you attend your classes and you go home at night. Uh, do you suggest that uh, if the parents can't make it on day one that during that first week that the child is in school they make an appointment to i to go speak to the teachers or is there a guidance counselor for well, the, the incoming is, college you know, students right well the thing is you know i'm gonna say no to that because there is what we call FERPA laws and if your child is 18 your child does not have to disclose anything that goes on in college in terms of their their education unless they sign a disclosure for oh, that. Okay. So so we can't do that as parents. The time to get it done is when they have what they call either a first look 
or they have parent day where you're meeting um, some of the instructors, you're meeting financial aid, advisors, all of the other. That's the time when you want to do it. And when your college or university has that first weekend for parent weekend, go. Okay. Go. That's the time to go. Go find out what's going on. Just go. Um, don't say, well, you know, I sent my child, they're fine. You know, everything's good. I'm not going that weekend. Yes, you are. That's the time you want to go so that you can guess. That's the only time that you'll get a chance to meet with some of the instructors or the okay. professors or go to some of the, the different departments like financial aid and counselors and stuff. Take the opportunity to do that. Yes. Okay. Okay. I didn't know that. I have little people, so I haven't experienced, <laughs> I haven't experienced that yet. Okay. I haven't yes. experienced that yet. Um, for the students who feel as if they are not able to keep up with the school, uh, their schoolwork, school load, what suggestions do you have for them? So that. Uh, a semester pass and they're failing. Right. And that happens. You know, let's just be be real. It happens. Um, I think one of the first things that students need to remember and parents need to encourage their students when you get that first test, and this is something nobody knows about unless, you know, you're just there. Uh, when you get that first test, tell your kids, when you get the first test, if it's not the grade, that you thought you were supposed to get, or you know you didn't do well because you didn't study, that's the time you need to start asking for help. That's the time that you go and make an appointment and see your instructor, and you sit down with your instructor. That's the time that you need to decide, um, have your kids learn how to form study groups. I don't care what anybody says, study groups is what got me through college. And so, um, because a lot of times students come in and they're just not, they're not equipped to study well, and they mm -hmm. haven't really been taught to study. No one is going to teach your child how to study right. in college. Right. So, right. so it's best if they don't do well and tell them, go and talk to your professor sit down with a group of people because there are always people who are going to have study groups and be proactive about your grades be proactive about everything that you do and we have to start instilling that in our children because in a traditional college they're not going to pull you aside and say hey john doe guess what we saw your grades wasn't good we got the study group over here we want you to get into that's what's done on HBCU. That's never done in a traditional. No, it's but not. No, it's not. But your student, your child can do that. They can form their own study groups. Mm. And that's also that goes back to the sense of community, uh, sense of family. Absolutely. 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 And I, and I want to just keep saying, teach them how to be proactive about their education. They have to be proactive about it because if you're going to a Big Ten or a Big 12 university, I mean, you're talking about over 30,000, 40,000 students. Yeah, it's huge, huge. So, you know, one professor may have 40 people in a lecture hall. I don't know right. about today. That probably won't happen because of the pandemic. Right. But traditionally, it's 40 people in a, in a lecture hall or even 100 in some cases. So your child has to be proactive about their education. They have to go and seek out that instructor. So I know that um, your twins are adults now. 
Um, thank God. Thank God. Your son, what, what exactly, what career path did he decide to um, further? Okay, my son decided he is a clinical psychologist. Mm. And um, uh, yeah, he's a clinical, and that's a whole nother story because we did not think that child was going to be a clinical psychologist. Because he went into science, right? Yes, he he loved science, and so he's always he's always liked psychology. I will say that in high school he got the love of that. He took a couple of psychology classes in high school, and I guess that did it for him. Um, he was AP psych, all of that. So he did that. That's what he did. <laughs> um, and we are very very proud of him. I'm laughing because if you know my child, he was a crier, and he would kill me if you heard me say this. He was my <laughs> crybaby. He was my crybaby child. Um, so. Him being in psychology is one of those things that everybody said, well, that's why he's in psychology, because he's very emotional and he feels things. So I'm going to go with that. All right. We're going to go with that. I'm going to go with that. But yes, he is a clinical psychologist. And um, he actually, like I said, he's a uh, Ronald McNair scholar. And he got involved in that program, the APEX program and that scholarship while he was in a multicultural program okay. and um, it has been to his his benefit wholeheartedly because his master's and his doctorate degree were paid for they were he, he was on a free ride and that's that. awesome that's awesome As, he is practicing um, in California um, he's right now he's working for the VA and he's he's sitting right now for his licensure so, um, so yeah, he, he did the darn thing. He that's excellent. Did. Yeah, that's excellent. Cause I know he started off in science. That's why I say, where did he end up? What did he end up doing? Yeah. Yes, he is. He is definitely a clinical psychologist. Yep. And your daughter is teaching. My daughter is an educator like her mom. Excellent. Yeah. So she went back. Um, she has, she also went back and got her master's in a curriculum and instruction and so she teaches third grade science math and science mm, that's cute and I know she loves it. I know that she really adores her students and she loves uh, being an educator well uh, Dr. Bennett, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, stop by. Uh, we will see you soon. I know that you are also working on finishing up a book that you're in the process of writing. Can you share I'm a little? Trying. I'm trying. I'm looking at, okay, I'm, I have so many different angles with it, but I think I've kind of narrowed it down. I am going to look, it's definitely going to be education-based, but I'm looking at um, the emasculation of the African male wow. in, in education. I can't so wait to read that. that. I can't right. wait and to read that. And higher ed. So I'm, I'm kind of playing around with that. Um, I do have another a co-writer that will be working with me. She is also a uh, psychologist, and we're both going to write it together. So we're kind of looking at some different things on how we want to look at that. We don't know if it's going to be a book, if it's going to be an article. Uh, we do know that it could possibly be an article for publication and presenting. So we, we have to see which way we want to go with that. I am really pleased to hear that, and once it's completed, I must have the book, uh, review the article, um, but I'm, I'm super excited for you, and um, 
once again, I thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to pop by. Um, once your book or your article is completed, I would love to have you return so that we can continue the conversation. Absolutely. Uh, but we're going to end uh, our conversation this evening. So just wanted to say thank you to everyone that dropped by because there are hundreds of podcasts out there, but uh, I am... Um, pleased that um, you guys decided to listen to my podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and please, please tell a friend or family member. Until next time, be safe. Kisses.